0: welcome to my podcast this is mike cohen and for radio listeners in montreal it was it was a sad week uh bell media made uh, a number of cuts across the country and it impacted uh cjd where a number of uh newsroom reporters and hosts were basically taken off the air and one of them was uh dr lori petito who has been with the station for 22 years and uh, her show, Passion, on at ten o'clock at night, uh, not only has a wonderful following, but I, I think it's safe to say, Lori, that it even provided a, a public service to many of the listeners.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's one way of putting it. Certainly, the mail I've been getting from people is that they were they they counted on me for that friendly voice that could be supportive to them, where they could write in when they were feeling stressed out. So it was more than just a show about uh, sex and relationships. It really was one of those community shows with people helping people. So oftentimes we had listeners helping other listeners and people would write in wanting to hear what other people had to say. So to me, it it became, we called it the passion community, but we really became this community, like a, a large you know, self-help group uh, in a way. So it's a it's a loss, especially in these times when people need to reach out and and need to have a little bit of that sanity in their in their lives and some calm. Uh, and I think that show the show was providing that. And the last year, it, it like took a little bit of a turn because of the pandemic and what people were dealing with.
0: Yeah, and 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 so tell me, I know the news came. Uh, surprise was it a surprise to you were you were you shocked <laughs> when you were when you were told did you see this coming
1: okay well listen I've been on the air for close to 22 years I I've seen the cuts go through you know maybe 11 rounds 10 11 rounds of cuts through my whole career so I know the business I know the radio business I know that it could happen at any time I know that it has nothing to do with uh, and I was told this obviously has nothing to do with the content or my ratings or anything like that. I know that in the, that business, there is often restructuring that happens, uh, and this is, was clearly the case. So was I shocked? No. Um, you know, it hits you, it hits your gut by surprise because now here's the phone call and you, you're told the day of that you won't be on the air anymore. That's, that's a bit heart-wrenching because I wasn't able to say goodbye to anybody. You know, when you leave on your own terms, you, you get a send-off, you know, you can you can talk to people, you can tell them why you're leaving and all of that stuff. But when you're just, you just disappear off the airwaves, I felt bad for the listeners who are tuning in who may not have all the access to social media to see, you know, my explanation on Facebook or what have you to, like, no longer find me there. So was I, was I shocked? No. Um, just a little, a little put-off balance, yes but not terribly surprised. I always knew that was, that was the business. And I have no, I hold no resentment or no regrets. I think I'm very grateful that I had all of these years to, to share uh, with listeners. So that's
0: how I feel. <laughs> Let, let's be clear uh, for people who don't know this. That was not your full-time job. You have a full-time, very busy practice. uh, (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's exactly it. Now, this is also, I felt horrible for the others, uh, the the newsroom that lost their job. That was their livelihood. This was their career. This was their big thing. Yes, my uh, passion was part of my identity, became part of my identity. But it was my side gig. It was what I did. Uh, for fun not for money, right? It was what I did because I loved it so much uh, to reach out to people and speak to people. But I I have a full-time daytime job uh, where my income comes from, which is as a clinical psychologist. So uh, it didn't hurt me in that way. I really, to me, the the pain for me came from missing out on the connection with all these people.
0: Uh, Absolutely. So let's go back in time. How did this show start? How did it all come about that you got on the radio and got your own show?
1: Yeah, this is a funny story because I was never, ever, it was never in my wildest dreams that I ever thought radio would be anything in my life. Uh, Everything just kind of happened accidentally, really. But this this story goes back 30 years, more than 30 years, when I was, uh, at the time, a young, uh, you know, newly graduated, uh, had done my training in sex therapy at the Montreal General Hospital. I was working there. Uh, I was on their staff there, like on the, the team, the human sexuality team. And Rick Moffat, who uh, used to host a show on Mix 96 at the time, now Virgin, uh, called The Love Line, where it was a two-hour weekly show. He came in and wanted to it, wanted to turn it into more of a sexuality-based show, and so he just walked in and said, Hey, anybody here want to join me on the air and talk about sex? And I was like, Okay, I'll do it, you know. Uh so that that gig lasted for me for about nine years. And then yeah. Rick Moffat Rick Moffat then got the program director job at C J E D and yeah. the first thing the first thing he did was reach out to me and say, Hey, how about we bring Tech Talk to uh C J E D? And I thought, Wow, it's a conservative station. Let's see how long this lasts, you know. And, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. and lo and behold, uh, I've been there for almost 22 years. So that's how it all all really began. So really, that wasn't my, you know, that wasn't my direction when I went into this field. It really wasn't. It just so happened that way. And, and
0: I'm so right. grateful that it did. The the content on your show, it varied a lot. I mean, i tune in uh, as often as I could, especially when I was in the car. It was great listening. And you had some real interesting characters on your show, uh, but uh, it, it varied from day to day. You'd have someone uh, answering questions about just sexuality and people would call in and ask questions. And you had people who were very unique and different. Yes,
1: and, and that was the, I think, the appeal is that I tried to bring in a range of uh, sexual uh, people's sexual experiences and uh, like diversity, right? So whether it was LGBTQ people, the King community, uh, whether it was sex workers, whatever, just to get an inside look as to how other people uh, live their sexuality. So and you know we talked a lot about relationships, and we we I had therapists on once a month to talk about specifically mental health issues, and at one time we had uh, uh, teenagers join the show. Just it was a show just dedicated to teen sexuality. Um, we have, uh, you know, we had a, a gynecologist answering specifically medical questions, a urologist doing the same. So yes, we tried to keep it as varied as possible to cover everybody, right? So and cover all kinds of topics. Sometimes I'm sure you tuned in and said, oh, this is not for me. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I accept that. But it's also a question of, it doesn't have to be for you, but it is there. It's out there. So it's a question of, exposing people to the realities of sexuality in all of its forms.
0: Yeah, I, I can tell you that whenever I did tune in, <clears throat> I was never bored. Uh, no matter what the topic <laughs> was, I, I I appreciated it. So, Laurie, let me ask you this question. You've probably answered it on some of your shows since March, but how has the pandemic impacted sexual relations? Because, there's one thing between a man and a wife or people who live together, but there's, I've been wondering what's happening with boyfriends and girlfriends who are supposed to not in the same bubble and they're not really supposed to be together. I mean, what is your take on all of this?
1: Right. Well, a lot of people are breaking the, uh, <laughs> breaking <laughs> the guidelines, I could tell you that much. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it has changed the landscape of dating. Like I, I know a few people who have actually uh, met and, and started relationships during COVID and, and that are flourishing. Um, but there's obviously considerations, right? So people weren't getting together, but we're spending more time getting to know one another online and having face-to-face dates online so that by the time they got together, they would know a little bit more about each other and, and were able to assess the risk. Um, so, you know, it's like brings a whole other meaning to safe sex, right? The, the whole COVID thing. So, yeah. I mean, kissing is the one way to transfer it for sure. Uh, Maybe having sex without kissing and, you know, not facing each other might be safer. (laughs) But again, you know, you want to you want to kind of develop a little bit of intimacy. Uh, So it's been difficult, I think, for single people. For married people, it's also been very difficult because, A, the, the stress and the strain and and all of that is certainly going to affect your sex drive, not to mention your kids are always around. Uh, you know, before maybe your older kids were going out, you had the house to yourself. Now there is no house to yourself. You've got to worry about that. So it's affected people in many, many, many different ways uh, and not, not all good. Some people have done great with it and, and have yeah. really thrived within it because they, they got to enjoy their, mm-hmm. their partners more and, and think, and life was a little less stressful and, and like just the pace of life was slower because everybody was working yeah. from home. Yeah. But uh, so really, it's uh, the fallout is there. I'm as busy as I've
0: I've ever been. You've talked a lot on your show over the years about addictions, uh, sexual addiction. So, for instance, the sexual addiction to porn, I would imagine that there there are issues there right now with so many people alone at home and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't know if it doesn't have to be necessarily addiction, but people will often turn to pornography when they're bored. Uh, or need a distraction, or need to be relaxed. So often what leads to addiction is an underlying anxiety or an underlying uh, condition or mental status that kind of uh, makes you look for outlets, right? And because porn is so easily available, and when you are aroused, and there's a, an orgasm, there's a, a rush, there's a dopamine rush, a feel-good hormone rush. Uh, so you can get You know, you can get used to that and and you go towards that when you need a little bit of that that rush. So we are seeing more of it now. You're also, believe it or not, seeing more infidelity, except it's like through cyber relationships. But nonetheless, if you look at the numbers on like Ashley Madison, for example, they're up, I think, by 17%. Wow. So you're like wondering, wow. where are these people going? What are these people doing? But again, yes. for distra- you know, they want to be distracted. They want a little bit of excitement in their lives.
0: Yes, yes. Now, Lori, uh, people don't have to wait too long because I have already had something going in my column in the Suburban next week that you're going to be speaking uh, to the Beaconsfield United Church, just like, like every Jewish nice girl does at the church, <laughs> uh, uh, on February the 16th.
1: February the 15th,
0: next yes. <laughs> after 50, uh, people can <sighs> register at uh, community at beaconsfieldunitedchurch.com, and then they'll be able to get a link. So this will be done by Zoom. So that's something, uh, will you be doing more of that, or you basically already did a lot oh. of that?
1: I've always done a lot of that. In fact, that same day, I'm doing another one at night. You talked about the nice Jewish girl. I'm doing (laughs) one at Temple Emanuel that night. (laughs) Oh, okay. glad you told me.
0: I'll add that in. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then I'm doing one again. Uh, I'll have to send you my my list of uh, of, of events. But I'm also doing one for Concordia. Uh, They have a, a mental health or sexual health. Um, kind of a a day and then they invited me to, to be a speaker on that. So I've got lots of these things lined up and I I don't think those will, will change much, but uh, so yeah, so people can, can tune in. Uh, These are all open to the
0: public, right? So. Yes, they are. Exactly. So I'm going to end off by asking you the the big question your listeners want to know is you've you've got a great radio voice. You you just got a great style on radio (laughs) and, and will uh, you hope, that we will that you will be able to get back into radio podcasting in some way that's one of your plans now uh, for, for yes. down the line?
1: this is coming up i'm hoping to do it within this month uh, i'm working on it now so at, at the very least having a podcast that people can tune in send me letters still i can still answer questions some interesting guests and they'll keep that conversation going. So whether it'll be on, on on podcasts or on satellite radio, I'm I'm researching it all, uh, but I'm not letting it go. So I, I will be,
0: my voice will be heard. Well, that's great to hear, uh, Dr. Laurie. Thank you for joining us, and I want to wish you the best of luck.
1: Thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: Dr. Laurie Batito has been my guest.